today's scripture is found in the New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. We're reading from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6. It can be found on page 811 in the Pew Bible in front of you, or feel free to open up your phone apps. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lori. I, I forgot to mention that the Hassans are going to are, already have three kids um, that they're fostering this week as of four hours ago. So church, you guys know what to do. So let's support them with meals and help them as they, they have uh, nine kids this week till next Tuesday. All right. So if, if, if many of us do a little bit, it'll, it'll greatly help and we could be part of the process of fostering and supporting them. So, all right. Well, I need to make a confession. This was a really hard sermon for me to prepare because I felt like a hypocrite as I was, as I was preparing it. Um, my confession is that I struggle to pray, and that's embarrassing to say as a pastor. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that, but my whole life that I've walked with Jesus, it's been only 15 years so far, I have um, struggled con- with consistent face-to-face time with God. Now, you can call it closet prayer, you could call it devotional, devotionals or quiet time. Do you guys want to sit? There's just like a group of people just standing back there, and it's semi-making me nervous. Uh, <laughs> if you guys all had suits on, I think you guys are coming to get me or something like that, but all right, you guys got to do what you got to do. And, um, and I've had seasons in my life of really great, consistent time with Jesus where I'm just really enjoying Him, and it's my favorite thing to do every day. But then if I look at the last 15 years, there's more seasons where it's just a struggle. It's just a sore spot, a constant place where I feel guilty and I'm not doing well enough. And um, I, felt my, I found myself in a similar season right after we planted this church. You know, as a, as a church planter, you got, you, the, 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 the to-do list never ends. There's always one more person to talk to or get rejected by. <laughs> always one more thing to do, one more person to reach out to, one more person to pray for, and the list just never ends. And so I just found myself in the last eight months after planting, just waking up and feeling like I'm too busy to pray. Too busy because I need to do stuff for God. It's just kind of crazy. I avoid God because I want to do stuff for God. Isn't that weird? That's like the husband who's like, I'm doing all this for you but you're never home, but it's for you, baby, right? You know what I'm saying? And I found myself kind of falling to similar patterns where I'm just working and working and doing and doing, and I can't slow down. And maybe it's the ADHD that I've been diagnosed with, or it's the culture that is very ADD, but I struggle to slow down. And that's not okay as one of your pastors. That's not okay. It's not okay, and God has been doing a deep work in a lot of us pastors about prayer. This weekend, um, I'm going to be going on a prayer retreat quarterly. Ross and I have a schedule where we go to this free retreat center and we pray and fast. And this is part of a rhythm to keep ourselves fresh and filled with the Spirit so that we're not giving you guys yesterday's bread 
and we're meeting with God. And, 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 and if you pray for me regularly, I hope you do. I'd pay money for you to pay, pray for me regularly. Seriously. I'm about to get a tax refund. I'd literally pay you on a weekly basis if you would pray for me. And if you could pray for one thing in my life, there's more, but one thing, pray for my prayer life. Pray, pray for my intimacy with Jesus. If I don't have that, I have nothing to give you. And I will be a terrible husband. And if I'm not feasting and being filled on Christ, I'm going to look to you guys to fill me up. And I'll feast on you in an unhealthy way. But I'm speaking as a pastor, but I also need to speak as a Christian. Not having a vibrant, intimate prayer life with Jesus is not okay as a Christian. Not okay, not just not okay if I'm a pastor. It's not okay. And maybe you can re- relate with me on some level as I'm talking about this. If I, if I took a poll and asked everyone to raise your hand, I don't want you to do it, and I just asked, raise your hand if you're just killing it in prayer. You're just crushing it. My, my guess is that few of you will raise your hand. My guess few of you will be like, right here, like I am the example. Sam, just sit down, let me go up there, let me teach. Over the years, as I relate with more and more people, it's a resounding anthem I hear over and over. Man, I just, I struggle with prayer. I struggle with my time with God. I struggle with reading my Bible. And for those who are born again with the Spirit of God, deep inside, we long to be with our Father, don't we? We long to be with Him, and yet we avoid Him. We have all these good intentions. Man, I'm going to wake up in the morning, and, and then when the morning comes, you're like, man, sleep is so good. And then somehow our good intentions just fall through. And I do not think this should be the norm for us. And I don't think this is an area of our life we could just kind of put on the side and be like, yeah, you know, like, that's just an area that I need to work on. You know, just kind of like when we say casually, yeah, I need to start dieting. Or like, yeah, yeah, I really need to work on kicking that habit right? But really with no intention to change our schedule or allow to do anything about it, right? Prayer, our intimacy with the Father is not one of those categories where we can just be like, yeah, if, it, if it's convenient, I'll, I'll get to it. Let me say this, not having a vibrant, intimate relationship with the Father through prayer is absolutely dysfunctional. Allow me to illustrate Imagine I'm sitting down with a good friend, and we're talking, and naturally, as good friends, we'll eventually talk about our marriages. Gets to the marriage, my friend just starts telling me, man, I love my wife. She's number one in my life. I adore her. She's great. I'm like, wow, man, this guy is crazy about his wife. He even has like a bracelet about her. I mean, he's, he has a necklace about her. He's just so about her. And then as we talk more and we, we dialogue more, he opens up and tells me that, I just don't really like spending time with her, though. I just don't really enjoy being with her. Like, I don't know what to say to her. It's so awkward, and I kind of always have this feeling of guilt that she wants, she doesn't like me. And I know that you guys are probably connecting the dots of what I'm trying to do with that. And if, I looked, if you looked at that friend and said, friend, your marriage is not great. It's dysfunctional. Something's deeply off. If you'd rather be on Facebook than spend time with your wife. And yet, that's the kind of life that we have, many of us do, with God. We don't enjoy being with Him. It's boring, and we'd rather be on our phones, and we'd rather, and we rarely, as a result, have intentional time with Him. Not everyone, but I would say many Christians struggle in this area. 
But of course, God is number one, then family and friends and work and blah, 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 right? You guys know that silly kind of order we, we say, oh, God's number one and this, this. But our schedules tell us what's number one or who's number one. Check out this revealing quote from the, this author, Michael Reeves, in his book, Enjoy Your Prayer Life. It'll be on the screen. In one sense, your prayer life is disgustingly revealing. It does reveal who you really are. For all your talk and theory of faith, your prayer life reveals how much you really want communion with God and how much you really depend on Him. I stress, it absolutely does not tell you about your security as an unrejectable child of God, but it does tell you, very accurately, how much of a baby you are spiritually, how much of a hypocrite you are, and how much you actually love the Lord. Thus, if your tendency is to think you're rather wonderful, just remember your prayer life. And I know that sounds kind of snarky, but he's a very tender man, and he's trying to reveal something that's huge. And so here's a key question that I want us to really consider. Do you want to be with your father? Do you want to be with him? And if we're honest, many of us actually don't want to be with him that much. And some of us may actually be very disciplined. I'm not a naturally disciplined person, but maybe you're the disciplined person. You always have your quiet time in the morning. You go through your reading, and you go through your lists and your prayers, but it's really just dead religion. You're just going through the motions so you can get to do the things you really want to do because you feel bad because if you don't do that, then God won't maybe accept you. You're still operating off of works. Maybe, maybe you're in that, and this whole time you're like, man, these suckers don't know how to spend time with God. Look at me. But yet you too are not actually being with the Father actually communing with him. You're just kind of going through a routine and not actually connecting with him. So for the last four months, the Father has been drawing me back, calling me to be with him regularly, to strive to make face-to-face time with him, not a part of my life, but my life, the most important aspect of my life. Not something that I try to squeeze in into my schedule, but that everything else fits around him. You see the order? It's very important. Not that we would try to fit God into our schedules, but our whole schedule fits around Him. It works around Him. And it's been hard. And God has been patient with me, and He's been slowly drawing me near. And it's been kind of the two steps forward and then one step back, and I have a really bad week, and I'm super self-dependent, and avoiding Him, and racked with anxiety, and then I take more steps forward, and He's been drawing me nearer and nearer, and it's been very sweet, and I want to welcome all of us to go deeper together. And I'm going to be relating to God as Father a lot, because Father is the primary way in the New Testament that us Christians relate to God as a Father, as a Abba. And we are his children that he adopted. And we have that, that very relationship says so much about our prayer lives. And it, it opens up so many possibilities. And I know yet that with the, with the erosion of the family and the breakdown of family in our culture, many of us here, when we hear father, we think of our earthly dads. And when you think about God as a father, it, deep, it makes you shudder. And you, you, you project what your father is like onto God the Father, and it, it's very hard. And if that's you, I know what that's like. I remember the pain. I remember 2008 when I went through that and how much pain it was to work through all that trauma and the brokenness in my heart. But I'll tell you, it is well worth it to relate with God as your daddy. And if, you're, if that's you, please open up to your DNA and talk to the pastors, and, and that is a journey well worth going down. That will, that will lead to new levels of joy in life. 
today we're not going to talk about tips on how to, how to pray or intercessory prayer or contemplative prayer or listening prayer, all the different kinds of prayers that you can see, but the overall category of just being with God, having face-to-face time with God, a fixed time with our Father that is kind of mentioned in Matthew 6. And so this question that I'm trying to answer in the beginning is this, why do we struggle so much spending time with the one whom we love? Because we because I know a lot of you, I, I know all of our members, you love God, you love our Father, and why yet do we struggle spending time with the one whom we love more than anything else? And so here are some ta- takeaways, some, some, some reasons why I think it's so hard to be with our Father. These aren't the only five reasons, but he, here are five. Number one, we've never been more distracted or entertained, Ever. We are living in a very, very weird time. We're in this social experiment that's only about 12 years old since the iPhone came out where we're just starting to understand what this, can I see that? Like what this is doing to us. And this is so fresh. How do you be a Christian and have an iPhone? And I know that sounds silly, but really, how do you, how do you be a Christian? How do you have communion with God and focus on the inner life when we have so many coming at us? Do you guys remember like 10 years ago when you would go to the store and stand in line and you would actually just stand in line, right? Or you would talk to someone or maybe pray or something or think about something, but right now, what do we do? Right? So we're, we're hanging out with people at a restaurant. They go to the bathroom. What do you do? Am I important? Does someone care about me? What's going on? What's the news? What's the game? Or you remember when we used to go to the bathroom and just use the bathroom? <laughs> After the iPhone, Joanna was like, Sam, you're in the... Who... You take so long, right? Disinfect that thing, right? I was at a conference just two years ago, and I walked into the bathroom, and there was a guy with the urin- at the urinal with an iPad up using the restroom, and he was a speaker, and I wanted to take a picture of it and post it on Twitter, but I really liked the speaker, and I didn't know if he'd be like, dude, you're so funny and cool, or he'd be like, I will never talk to you again, but like even this speaker, he couldn't even use the restroom without quickly looking at his iPad. It was kind of silly. I have questions about him now, but he sure can speak. Check out this line from this article from Business Insider. It sometimes seems as if our phones function like an extra limb on our body. Now research demonstrates exactly how attached to the devices we really are. The typical cell phone user, and this is 2016, so touches his phone 2,617 times every day. And that's just the average. All right, the worst case scenario is over 5,400 times daily. And we wonder why Americans are so racked with anxiety it's because we're on our phones so much. And many of us, raise your hand if you use your phone as an alarm. Okay? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a dangerous thing. First thing you do, wake up. You pick it up, and bam, right there, notifications. Immediately setting ourselves to tailspin in emotions and be driven by the tyranny of the urgent and doing whatever comes our way. And... Why spend time with our Father when we can watch the next episode of our favorite series? And Netflix has made it so convenient that right when we're watching it, the next one starts counting down. 
and you can look at your spouse, and you're like, hey, are we going to do it? We're going to do it? Oh, oh, oh sorry, it's, it's on. We gotta, I guess we got to do it. You guys know what I'm saying? As, as if we owe it to Netflix. Oh, we, got, oh, we, we don't want to be disrespectful to Netflix. It just, it, it, it's playing, you know? It's rude. And then maybe we finally make time to pray, and then we're sitting there, and we try to pray for everything we can think of. We pray for world peace and all these different areas, and we're praying, we're praying. We're like, man, I prayed a lot. They're like, oh, dang, two minutes, right? And then we're like, oh, okay, I'll just check my phone, right? And we give up, and we do the things we really want to do, right? And I know that some of this is just kind of funny, but it is kind of real, right? That's why you laugh is because it's you, right? It's me. And there are entire industries called the attention economy where engineers spend millions of dollars just figuring out, billions of dollars actually, just trying to figure out how much attention they can take from you, right? How can we refigure algorithms? This one researcher, Matthew Crawford, says, attention is a resource. A person has only so much of it. And so these attention engineers spend all their time just trying, trying to figure out how can we keep you on Facebook longer? How can we keep you on that website a little longer or that thing a little longer? Man, that's scary. And we're just learning how to do it. How do our prayer lives have any chance in this age? Number two, we are too busy. When was the last time you talked to someone and said, hey, you busy? And they're like, no, actually not. Right? You'd be like, what's wrong with you? You have to be busy. Author Jared Wilson says in his book, uh, Imperfect Disciple, he says this. Once upon a time, in our our not-so-distant past, experts predicted that with the rapidly increasing advances in technology, Americans would have a shorter work week and so much time on their hands for recreation that they wouldn't know how to fill it. Well, we figured it out. We filled it up with more work, more busyness. The microwave doesn't create free time. It just frees us up to fill with other things. And that's just what we've done. And that's true. As technology marches forward, we are given more conveniences and more time. And what do we do with that more time? We fill it up. And yet, still, Americans find five hours a day to find, watch Netflix or TV, right? That's the average. You just look it up. I'm not making that up. And yet we're all busy, right? And some of us are legitimately busy. I know you're, a lot of you are set scheduled, but a lot of us are only busy because we don't know how to manage our time. And we're committed to everything. And we have so many friends, and yet they're all paper thin. And we're committed to a whole lot of things, and we do very few of them well. And so this is the epidemic that we need to learn how to be discipled out of and, and growing. Number three, we are avoiding the chaos within. You guys know those times where you just feel this tightening in your chest, just a sense of anxiety. You're not like, you can't breathe deeply. And you know something's wrong. Maybe you have fears or doubts or anxieties or just pain. And you know that if you pray, they're going to be revealed. And you just don't want to deal with it. The idea of facing these, the chaos that's brooding under the waters of your soul is just terrifying. And so we just anesthetize by just media or whatever the thing is, food, work, and we avoid because we know that if we go pray and we're honest with God, then all this stuff is going to come out and we don't want to deal with that. We are avoiding the chaos within. Number four, our focus is often not having more of God. When we pray, we often view it as a del- duty, not a delight, as something like a discipline that you have to do. Imagine if we were approached relationships like that what if I told my wife, Joanna, it's a duty and a discipline to spend time with you? Will that go well? No, it will not go well. And yet we re- relate with God in the same way. Let me read this quote that will just, it's like one of the quote of quotes, all right? Get ready to take pictures of it, all right? 
It's by Tim Keller in his book on praying. In our natural state, we pray to God to get things. We may believe in God, but our deepest hopes and happiness reside in things as in how successful we are or in our social relationships. We therefore pray mainly when our career or finances are in trouble or when some relationship or social status is in jeopardy. When life is going smoothly and our truest heart treasures seem safe, it does not occur to us to pray. Also, ordinarily, our prayers are not varied. They consist usually of petitions, occasionally some confession if we've done something wrong. Seldom or never do we spend sustained time adoring and praising God. In short, we have no positive inner desire to pray. We do it only when circumstances force us. Why? We know God is there, but we tend to see him as a means through which we get things to make us happy. And hear this line. For most of us, he has not become our happiness. We therefore pray to procure things, not to know him better. Let's close, right? God help us. If knowing and enjoying God is not our supreme purpose in life, then of course our prayer lives would just feel drearsome in a discipline. Number five. This is not for everyone, but this is for some. We may not believe God actually wants to be with us. You've ever been with someone or on a date where you just have the suspicion, this person doesn't want to be here. <laughs> or spending time with a loved one, you're like, it stinks, and who wants to be with that kind of person? And yet some of us, because we're not truly believing and trusting the gospel, we believe that God is just subtly always disappointed and doesn't like us, doesn't accept us. We're not good enough for him. <clears throat> so why would you want to spend time with him? And let me make this point. God wants to be with you. If you're trusting in Jesus, he wants to be with you. And case in point, the cross that Jesus left his Father's abode, perfect presence and peace of heaven, to live a life we all should have lived, and he died a death of a criminal so that we can be reunited with him and be with him forever. If you do not believe that God wants to be with you, look no further than the cross. And if you even look at Jesus' earthly ministry in Mark three fourteen, when he's appointing the 12, you can see it up there, I love this line. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And so there's a desire to be with his disciples. And later on, you see this at the very end, the last hour of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying and he, he's about to face deep anguish and, and never drink or eat again. He's, he's about to go under some torment, the greatest torment anyone would ever experience in separation from the Father and yet, what does he want at the very last hour? He wants three of his closest friends to be near him and pray. See, Jesus, even Jesus, he wanted, he wanted nearness with his friends. And if you are trusting God, you are a friend of God. God has made that because of the, the cross. And so when we approach God, he wants to be with us way more than we want to be with him. He's not like the people who are checking his watch subtly or checking the phone every time there's a notification, tapping the foot waiting for you to be over with your story, or the person, when, when you're talking, you know the whole time they're like, just ready, ready for you to stop, you know? Maybe, maybe I've done that to you, I'm sorry, right? He's not like that, he's waiting, and it was so sweet. I felt the Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day when I woke up to be, spend time with him. I felt like the Lord was saying, I've already been awake waiting for you. Like, he doesn't sleep, and he wants to be with us. And if we don't believe he wants to be with us, obviously we won't want to be 
with Him. And so there's many more reasons why we struggle with praying for God, and we struggle because we're proud, and we're not dependent on Him, and all these kind of things. But I want to see, why, why don't we enjoy being with Him? And <clears throat> I started to think about my relationship, my prayer life, in the context of a relationship. So this is what I did. For the past year or so, I've been thinking, what if I treated my relationship with God, my prayer life, like I do any important relationship in my life? How would healthy, vibrant, intimate relationships kind of carry over if I treated God that way? Okay? So here's a key question to think through. What if you related with our Father, what if we relate with our Father the way we would relate with any dear relationship we want to cultivate? So here are six keys to a vibrant, intimate relationship that I thought of. Number one, to have a vibrant and intimate relationship, you focus on the person. You focus on the person, right? Healthy relationships aren't sitting there thinking about, man, I wonder what we should say. They just focus on the person and the communication flows out. Paul Miller says this in in my favorite book on prayer. He says this, a praying life feels like our family mealtimes because prayer is all about relationship. It's intimate and hits at, hints at eternity. We don't think about communication or words, but about whom we are talking with. Prayer is simply the medium through which we experience and connect to God. Oddly enough, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they are focusing on praying, not on God. That right there will change your life if you grasp that. Focusing on, prayer in, uh, focusing on God instead of focusing on prayer. Making prayer the center is like making conversation the center of a mealtime. In prayer, focusing on the conversation is like trying to drive while looking at the windshield instead of through it. It freezes us, making us unsure where to go. Conversation is only the vehicle through which we experience one another. Consequently, prayer is not the center of this book. Getting to know a person, God, is the center. See, when we focus on a person, it becomes more dynamic because if if the person is alive, then things are going to shift and change depending on what's going on in our life, right? And so if we're happy then that will change the tenor and the feel and the content of your prayers that day with that person or your, commun- your, your communication. If you're sad, if you're anxious, if you're doubting, if you're going through the hardest season of your life, it will shift and change. And so if we focus on a person and not on a formula, then it's constantly flexing depending on what's going on. And as we increasingly learn our Father, who He is, and our identity with Him, that He's also a lover and He's also the bridegroom, we will relate to Him in the multifaceted ways of who He is as a person as we grow in Him. And so your prayer life never gets stale because He's a person and He's alive. And yet He doesn't run out of stories. And He's infinite, right? Like my wife and I, we're going to run out of stories one day. Like sometimes we still like pull a story out of the, out of the back pocket and my wife's like, I've never that before. I'm like, I know, it's crazy, huh? Right? But, but eventually I'm going to run out. But he's never ending. Isn't that great? And it also requires you to speak to him like a normal person. Although you are speaking to the holy of holies, the king of kings of all the universe, you're going to talk to him like a normal person. And, and, and I, I usually can tell if someone doesn't really have an intimate prayer life with God when I hear them pray. Because it sounds so formulaic and sounds so distant and they have all these sayings and they have all these preambles and it's like, dude, you talk to anyone like that? And yet again, you are talking to the God of the universe and so it's different. It's, there's difference there, but there is, a, there is an intimacy and a holiness, a transcendence and imminence that we have to balance by the Spirit. Number two, vibrant and intimate relationships have consistent and intentional time. Any intimate relationship we cherish 
you can look back and you say, man, I've invested a lot of time in that relationship. It's not possible to have intimacy with people without time. And it's the same with our Father. Also, in any relationship, if it's not scheduled in our busy life, it usually won't happen consistently. Isn't that right? If it's not scheduled, it won't happen. You know when you're like seeing someone, oh, let's get together. Yeah, man, let's get together. If you don't have it in the schedule right then, is it going to happen? No. It's, that's basically like I don't really want to get to know you and spend time with you, but I kind of do. Let's just keep saying that for the next few years, right? If it's not scheduled, it won't happen. Same with the relationship with the Father. Also, every time you spend time with a loved one, it's not going to be fireworks and dynamic and amazing and the greatest time ever, right? We, we especially millennials, I'm a, I'm a little older millennial, we, we long for the experience. But would you put that pressure on every time you meet up with a good friend? What a terrible pressure for that friend that you always have to be so exciting and so dynamic and so whatever. And that we kind of put that same pressure on God in our relationship with him. We enter the prayer closet or time with our father and we're like, man, if you don't show up, if I don't have a hallelujah chorus, if I don't have an Isaiah 6 kind of thing going on, then it's not worthwhile and it's not authentic. But as all of us know who have deep relationships with people, it takes time and you cultivate it and you have some seasons of highs and seasons of lows. And over time, you just build this long, deep relationship with that person that is deeply satisfying and full of joy. But if you enter every time in the prayer closet, you're like, all right, God, where's, I want to I wanna encounter you. I want to go to the third heaven, right? It, that, that's more pressure than you would put on any relationship. But over time, you're going to have those encounters with God and you're going to have those sweet times where you hear his voice and you meet him, but it takes time. You know, speaking of consistent time, I remember spending like a long, like a vacation with my family and thinking, man, this is great. I'm spending so much time with my family. And then I went on a season where I had to spend, give them my crumbs. And my kids started to be like, dad, you're not spending time with us. And I was like, dude, I just went on vacation with you. I just spent all this time with you. My wife's like, man, I don't feel close to you. I'm like, listen, we just went on vacation. I was here every day, right? And you guys all know that you can kind of build up the relational bank, but it, but it depletes pretty quickly. If you may have a long season of deep intimacy with a friend, but if you don't keep it current, it could kind of go. It can have a deep strain on it. It's the same thing with a relationship with God. I don't care how deep and intimate with you, you are with him. You could just give a week or two of totally ignoring him, and it will deeply strain your relationship with him. That's how it is with relationships. You guys imagine, and probably all have seen this, where you see a couple and, and you're counseling them or talking with them, and, and let's say they're sitting down in my fictitious office I don't have, and, and the woman says, my husband never spends time with me. And the husband says, are you crazy? We're, all, we're together all the time, right? I ride in the car with you, we carpool, we talk about the kids, we have to, like, and, and what is she saying? We all kind of know, right? It's easy, it's like, oh, He's not really there there. He's not present. Although he gives her time, he's not intentional. She doesn't know what's going on in his heart, in his life. She, and vice versa. So if we don't have this time regularly, our marriages and our relationships will wither, just like our relationship with our father. And the more intimate time you have with them, the more you'll have freedom to be able to commune with him all day long. We cannot replace intimate, daily, intentional time with God with on-the-go prayers. 
You cannot do that to any human relationship. You cannot certainly do that with your father. Oh, yeah, I pray all the time. I pray in the shower. I pray while I'm driving. I pray. Like, if you had your relationship with your wife like, like that or your husband like that, I'd be like, what's wrong with you, man? You're never with her. Oh, but I'm good at multitasking. You know, listen, the studies show that no one multitasks. No one does. We all think we can, but no one can. All right? We just kind of switch back and forth really quickly. And so we're not there fully. Number three, vibrant and intimate relationships are grounded in commitment. Our prayer life with God is, com- is grounded in, in his covenant, covenant commitment to us already. It's not that we are so good for him, and then he wants to talk with us, and then he commits to us. No, no, he commits to us, and in the context of his commitment to us, then we can have freedom to relate with him. So it's not like some Tinder or some first date you go on, and you're like, I don't know if this person will like me or reject me. No, no, it's a deeply secure relationship that, w- that was at great cost for himself. And in the context of that covenant and that commitment, you can be yourself, and you can be free. And as some people have said, intimacy is being fully known and yet fully loved, and you can be fully loved as you're fully known in the context of this commitment. (coughs) Number four, vibrant and intimate relationships are authentic. Have you ever been on a date or spent time with someone, you're like, you're not being real. You're not being yourself. Or you've seen some, maybe you saw someone else that is a good friend, and they're hanging out with other people, and they're like being a totally different person maybe trying to yuck it up with some people and trying to get to know them. You're like, what are you doing, Sam? That's not you. Like, why are you talking like you're from the hood? You're like, what, you're not, come on, man. You grew up in Georgia. Like, what's going on, right? You guys all have seen that, where we all try to be like someone else. And I think we do that all the time in prayer. We go before God, and we're not actually ourselves. And so God actually can't have a relationship with us because he's not having a relationship with a fake person. He can't do that. So you may be racked with anxiety and guilt or shame or fears, and you're not telling him. And so God is actually not relating with the real you. And so, so important for any authentic, healthy, vibrant relationship is that you're honest and real. And yet, unlike my wife, if I were to be brutally honest with her and like, yeah, I don't actually want to be here. I really don't want to spend time with you. God has big boy pants on. He can handle it. He actually knows already if you don't want to be there. He actually knows if you're frustrated or you have doubts about him or he fears about him or you're full of anxiety. He already knows that. And so tell him. He can handle it. And once you, can, once you pour out your heart and you spill your guts and you're actually real, then you can actually start relating with him as a real person. But if you go in there and you're, you have all these fears and doubts in the back of your mind and you're like, oh, holy God, you are so great. But deep inside, you're like, I don't think you're that great because of these things in my life. I'm frustrated at you here. You're not answering prayers here. If you're not open with your cynicism and your brokenness, you will not truly have intimacy with the Father because God can't have intimacy with someone who's not being real. <clears throat> so focus less on what to say, but where you're at, where you're actually at. And he already knows that. And once you do that, then you can get to being all about hallowed be your name and get caught up in him. But until you are real and honest, he will not be able to connect with you and you won't be able to connect with him. Number five, vibrant and intimate relationships take a long time to cultivate. Sometimes we see people who try to learn, start praying and right away they're like, man, this is hard. Hey, have you ever been married? It's hard. Communication takes time to be fluent in. And I'm only going on eight years of marriage. Many of you have been more. And I still miss my wife. I still miss times where I'm totally off. But you know what? We're pretty fluent now. And we have a nice little dance going on with our communication. We know and understand each other. But yet we approach God and we think we're able to be mature and have a long-lasting relationship overnight. It takes time. 
takes time. It takes failure. There's times where you mess up. And over time, it builds a deep connection and understanding and a fluency. Don't put pressure on your relationship with God that you wouldn't put pressure, that you would not put on any other relationship. Number six, vibrant and intimate relationships can grow in intensity. The more intentional quality time I spend with loved ones, the more I enjoy them. And I want to spend more time with them. Same thing with our father. If you don't like being with him, spend time with him. And you'll like more and more. Conversely, those whom you truly love and you're distant with, your heart gets lovesick and you miss them. You know? Like you're away from loved ones. You're like, oh, I miss them. I want to be with them. But you know what? That's not like our relationship with our father. That's where it breaks down. See, the more distance I have from God, the more I'm not like, oh, I miss him. I wish I'm with him. The more actually my heart gets hardened and more dependent and more resistant. You guys experience that? If, that? if that was the case, we're like, all right, if you want to be intimate with God, just ignore him for a long time, and you're going to really want him. There's much to teach on prayer, and in the midweek podcast, we're going to talk about more tips on prayer and intimacy with God and, and different resources, but we just want to start off the need for intimate day-to-day, face-to-face time with him. A vibrant and intimate relation with our Father requires intentionality. In that kind of intentionality and expectations we would have on any important relationship, we need to have that same kind of expectations and mindset. So here are two takeaways for us to cultivate a more intimate relationship with our Father. We need sacred space and sacred time. Okay, sacred space and sacred time. Now, I know that I said recently there's no such thing as sacred space, right? Like all things are sacred. God is everywhere. But what I mean by that is kind of a place that is set apart for the Father, And it's interesting that even Jesus himself, the one that you would think needs the least amount of intimacy with the Father because he is God, or the least amount of strength from God because he he has the Holy Spirit in, in such fullness. Yet look at Mark 135. I love this passage. Very early in the morning, while still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Despite having hordes of people seeking after him, he said, I need to be with my father. And because there's nowhere for me to be private with him, I'm going to wake up early before anyone's sleeping so I can be with him. And he tells us to do this similarly. We can put back up Matthew 6.6. He's pushing against this draw to have our primary relationship with God, a public one, so people can praise. Oh, you're so spiritual, Sam. Right? Look, your prayers are so great and verbose and spiritual and theological. Right? But no, 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 no. When you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who is unseen will reward you. Whatever is done in secret, He sees. Don't focus on the closet in this this illustration or in this passage, but the principle here. A set-apart time and a place where you're with your Father. Just like you would do that in any healthy relationship you want to pursue and go intimate with, doing the same thing with our relationship with our Father. And it's going to look different in different seasons. I once had a season in life where I had eight roommates, okay, three bedrooms. We had a quadruple bunk bed, a triple bunk bed, and a double bunk bed, and sometimes a guy on a couch. Very, very hard to pray there, okay? Very hard to focus and be with God. And so what did I do? Is I woke up earlier than people, and I made, I just had ridiculous breakfast then. I don't know why. I went through the season. I would just take like this, make this huge meal, and I would go out into the porch because it's sunny Southern California. You can't do this now. And I'd sit there in this table with two seats, and I put it, put my meal, and I look, and I'd imagine Jesus, God is with me right there at that table. And it wouldn't be long before people would wake up and be annoying, 
but I would have some moments with God, just secret, face-to-face, and I could enjoy that time with Him. And in different seasons of my life, I had to go on walks. I, right now, I have a very, very small walk-in closet where I'm kind of like this, and that's, that's what I've turned into, kind of a sacred space and time, and I have a curtain, I close it, and I'm with God. My phone's not with me, it's just me and Him, and you won't get in contact with me. And if you think you're too busy and you have too many responsibilities, listen to this testimony. Susanna Wesley, I love this story, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, had 19 children's, not children's, (laughs) Easter's, if anyone knows that is, 19 children. Beat that, Hassans. (laughs) Right? Even with, you know, (laughs) foster kids, you can't even beat that, right? 19 children. Can you imagine how annoying of a home that would be? How much chaos and craziness and constant going everywhere. And what Susanna Wesley did is she had a rule that when mama's apron is over her head, no one talked to her. So she would take her probably dirty apron, and I don't know how she wouldn't suffocate. She would take it and just lift it over her head, and she would pray and be with God. And ain't no one touching her then or talking to her. Now, I don't know how long it took for her to train her kids to leave her alone. It probably took a lot of work. And the case in point in that is it takes work, especially nowadays, where we're so distracted. You have to fight for it. But don't we fight for everything in our life that's important to us? Don't we fight for relationships that are important for us, important to us? And so maybe you need to put an apron over your head or get one of those Jewish prayer, prayer like shawls and just put it over your head and walk around in your room or I don't know what you got to do, right? But get a sacred space and a time to be with him. I love this passage in Daniel 6.10. Daniel hears of this decree that these satraps are trying to sabotage him and make this stupid rule that they can pray to no one but King Darius for 30 days. And yet Daniel knows that. And what does he do? He opens up his windows in his upstairs room and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And yet I can't think of one command in the Bible that says you have to pray three times a day. Not one. And yet he could have easily been, oh, hey, God, for the next 30 days, I'm going to just pray in my head. Or I'm going to just pray on the go. No one will know. And people are like, hey, are you talking? No, I'm not talking. I'm just, you know, just thinking out loud, right? And yet he is so wanting to be with the Father, so wanting to be with God, that three times a day he's praying. How easy could he have changed that up? I find for myself is having one long extended time with God. And then having short two to five minute times throughout the day are helpful. It's because I drift. So three times a day is helpful for me. And I would say probably helpful for all of us. Because I get filled up and I'm intimate with God. I'm communing with him. And then three hours later, I'm just like, someone cuts me off. And like, man, I'm not even a Christian, right? Everything goes out the window. And then I just have to recenter my heart in just maybe two to five minutes. I'm saying, God, I'm present. You know, a big thing, a big word that's helpful when it comes to communion with the Father is present. Are you present? Is your heart fully there? Like, Lord, I'm here. What do you want to say? What are you doing? What's going on inside of me? What what are you saying to me? What do you want to do? And a healthy relationship is a, a dialogue, not a monologue, right? And so you get your Bible out. And you start on and you, you hear him 
through his word and then you respond to his word. Or maybe you get one of these prayer cards and you take these passages and you start to speak these truths over yourself and hear from God through the word and you respond to him. And over time, you get a library of scripture that's in your heart so that throughout the day, the Holy Spirit can pull from, from them, this library and speak to you in, in, in a dynamic way where you have a constant conversation with God. But if you don't have scripture, you're not going to have that. And so, I'm going to wrap it up. This week, we're going to have a midweek podcast coming out on Wednesday, God willing. We're going to talk more about different resources and more ways to pray and, and different tips. But I want to address anybody here who's not following Jesus right now. If you have not put your trust in Jesus, if he's not Lord, Savior, and treasure, contrary to what culture says, he is not your father. You, you hear this in, in, in public. We're all God's children. That's a lie. We're all God's creation. But only those who are trusting him can call him Abba, Father. And I want every single one of us here to be able to call him Daddy and to be able to know him in that intimate way. What an intimate term, and yet we can call him Abba, Father. And listen, you do not have to stay separated from the Father. You can have that kind of vibrant relationship. He went to great lengths so that you can have that. Very costly for him. It cost him his only son that he sent so you could have peace with him and that he could adopt you as his own. And Jesus took all the wrath and punishment that you and I deserved on the cross from sins present and past and future. He took it all so that we can have communion with him, union with him. And so when we pray, we don't have to re-sacrifice or, or, or do something good enough so this God can, can accept us, but we've already been accepted because of Jesus. And you can go before him. But if you want the Father, you must go through the Son. And you can have him if you cry out for mercy and declare Jesus is Lord. And if that's you, if you're not sure about that, if you want that, come talk to one of us, talk to one of our members. We'd love to introduce you to our Father. There's no one like him. And listen, Christian, we already have union with Christ. We're not trying to get union. We already have union. We're trying to cultivate what we already have. So as we approach him, know that he already made a way so you're not trying to make your own way. And you can come dirty and messy and distracted and doubtful, and he will accept you. God, he wants to be with you. And if you don't want to be with him and you're realizing that during this message, you can just tell him that. You know what? He already knows. He already knows. Just tell him. Maybe you can honestly admit that. You don't really want to be with him and you don't really enjoy spending time with him. But you want to. There's so much hope. Maybe you don't want to, but you want to want to. There's so much hope for you. Tell him that. Long, and maybe you long to be with God and you enjoy time with him. Maybe you're in a sweet season like myself where you're enjoying it more and more. He wants more. He wants you to have more of himself. And that sweet, he doesn't want to stagnate and say, hey, just this far and no more. He wants as much as you can lay down to him. So I encourage you to talk to your DNA groups and let them in on your heart and your heart, where, where, you, where you are. Let me paint this picture. What if every member at APC enjoyed this kind of intimacy with the Father on the daily? What would our gatherings be like on Sunday? That we're like, hey, we've just been, been with him all week, and now we're with him together. Well, what are our MC times and our DNA group times? 
Wouldn't that be so amazing if every one of us, listen, we talk a great deal about mission and being family. If we don't have intimacy with the Father, we have nothing. And that's why our vision says we want to be a church of all peoples where every member enjoys a vibrant relationship with Jesus. If we don't have intimacy with Christ, we have nothing, guys. It doesn't matter how missional we are or how many poor or the orphans and all that we do. If we don't have that, we have nothing. Let's not forget our first love. And so, Christian, we have a Father who loves us and is all-powerful and all-knowing, and we have a Savior who is constantly making intercession for us and praying for us. And we have a Spirit that when we know what not ought to pray, He's praying for us with groanings deep that we don't even understand. He's praying for us. And listen, every day we can have face-to-face with the Father, but it's, it's like a mirror dimly because we're not seeing Him fully. But Christian, take heart. One day He's going to come and we will see him face-to-face. We will have face-to-face intimacy with God. Until then, we're scraping, we're trying, and, and, it's, and there's some distance and nearness at the same time, but one day, no barriers. And that can be great. No more. I, there, will, there will be a day where I'll never struggle wanting to be with him. Isn't that awesome? I'll never wake up and be like, oh, man, I, I need to fight to be with God. No, no, I'll just be like, oh, yes, yes, more. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have so invited us, the God of the universe, you invite us to have, to have intimacy with you and to relationship with you. How unbelievable that is. And Lord, I just pray that you would woo us and draw us for anyone here who really can be honest and say, I just don't really like being with you. It's boring. I like other things more. I like Netflix more, other things, whatever it is. That Can, we, can you just give us a, a heart to be honest right now and be real? Help us be real, God, with you and stop putting on these masks. You already know. Would you draw us and would you take our church to a new season of intimacy with you that we have never experienced before? Greater levels of love and enjoyment of you. Would you take us deeper? In Jesus' name, amen.